Welcome back to This Is That, where we bring biblical clarity to cultural chaos. I'm Steve Berger, and today we're diving back in to another wicked, troubling topic. But as we dive into this stuff, I want to constantly remind you, man, we, we, we're not approaching any of this with, with hatred and self-righteousness or condescension. Like, we're going to hear stuff about reprobate people, and particularly today we're going to talk about the spirit of depravity. And you just need to know, man, this is stuff where we need to guard our own heart and not just be like looking down at other people who might be participating in these things right now. Again, we're wanting to speak the truth in love. We're here to connect the dots between ancient scripture and today's culture. Again, we want to bring biblical clarity to cultural chaos. Now, I trust that you've read Genesis 18:22 through 19:29. It's the story where these two men show up. We know that they're actually angels, but they show up and, and appear to Lot as he's sitting in the gate of Sodom. And they come because God sent them there to judge Sodom and Gomorrah because of the wickedness that they were participating in. Jesus talks about this in Luke 17, 28 through 30. He said, likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Jesus says, even so it will be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In other words, in culture when Jesus returns, business as usual. People totally clueless to the coming judgment based on their exceeding wickedness. That's what it's going to be like when Jesus returns. And the scary thing is, we see that happening in society today. People totally clueless about the offense of living a wicked life, justifying it all the time, affirming wicked things all the time. It's, it's going to be just like that. You need to know that when Jesus returns. So in this series so far, we've unpacked the spirit of generational perversion, We've unpacked the spirit of intimidation and kind of that cancel culture thing that we see happening right now. And today we're going to look at the spirit of depravity or a debased spirit, we might say. Now, before we get into the story in the book of Genesis, I need to pick up first in the book of Romans chapter 1, verses 24 through 29. Now, leading up to verse 24, Paul is talking about people who were living totally wicked, reprobate lives. And so in verse 24, then he starts by saying, therefore, God has also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. He's talking about lesbianism here. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another. He's talking about homosexuality. Men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. In other words, they earned this penalty. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over 
to a debased mind. We might say a depraved mind or a spirit of depravity. God totally gives him over to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, and the list goes on and on. You get what he's talking about. Now, friends, here's just the fact. God-hating, Christ-rejecting, lie-receiving, creature-worshiping, sexually immoral-loving, defiantly unrepentant, wickedness-practicing people. I know that's a long list. They are on the slippery slope of being given over and given up by God himself to a debased mind and a depraved spirit. We see that spirit in Sodom, and so shall it be in society when Jesus comes back. And I just want to pause for a second and just kind of parenthetically say, you know, could you imagine where someone's wickedness is so wicked that God actually gives them up and gives them over to the wicked desires of their own heart? It's like God saying, you want wickedness? You got it. You don't want to receive the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and you want to persist, defiantly persist in your wicked ways. God says, you got it. He gives them up, and he gives them over. God does it with individuals. I pray that God doesn't do it with entire nations. All right, now, let's look at one of the most or the most troubling passages in all of Scripture. I mean, this, I don't even know what to do or say about this. Is, this is so mind-boggling to me. It is so sobering to me that it speaks a very specific warning to us. So back to Genesis chapter 19. We know what's happening here. Lot is pleading with this mob that wants to gang rape the two men or angels that came to visit Lot. And he's pleading with them. And in Genesis 19.8, he says, see now. I have two daughters who have not known a man. It means they're virgins. Please, he's pleading with them. Let me bring them out to you and you may do to them as you wish. Only do nothing to these men since this is the reason they've come under the shadow of my roof. Friends, I I don't even know what to say to that. Every time I've read that for the last nearly 40 years, I just have to ask the question, what makes a man offer his two virgin daughters to be gang raped by an angry mob? I mean, what in the world? What's going on inside of him and how did it get there? I don't believe, like many commentators do, I don't believe it was just something that Lot said in haste. I don't believe it was something that Lot said out of fear. I surely don't believe that it was something that Lot said for the protection of his visitors and some in some fulfillment of Middle Eastern culture, which was you had to protect visitors even if you had to lay your own life down. I don't believe it was all, any of that. What I do believe that it was, I believe it was a day-to-day erosion of his morals by dwelling in the midst of a spirit of depravity, dwelling with people who had been given over by God himself and not removing himself and his family from that wicked place, from that spirit of depravity that was ruling and reigning in Sodom and Gomorrah. 
Now he says, well, Steve, where do you get the basis for that? Listen, I always want to have my opinions anchored in Scripture, and I think we have it anchored right here. 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. It says that God turned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes. He condemned them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly and delivered righteous lot. Now listen to this. Who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Here's a fact, friend. Sodom's ungodly, filthy, wicked conduct caused Lot to live under an oppression and a torment day to day, day by day, day in and day out, because he heard and saw their lawless deeds. Now, here's the warning for every single one of us. I don't care how strong you think you are as a follower of Jesus. If you tell yourself, oh, something like that, that spirit of depravity could never win me over. Listen to me. I'm telling you that Lot didn't enter into Sodom and Gomorrah thinking that one day I'll turn my daughters over to an angry mob that's going to gang rape them. There's no way he thought that. And yet that's where he ended up, living under that spirit of depravity. And although he maybe he didn't um, you know, commit the total wickedness that they did, it had an effect on him. The point is, you can't dwell in the midst of wickedness, seeing it and hearing what's going on, and not be affected by it. When you allow yourself to be spiritually oppressed and tormented by a spirit of depravity, listen to me, you are setting yourself up for a fall, a caving in, if you will, of all that you know to be true and righteous. Listen. That's why Lot offered his own virgin daughters to the mob. It was a slow deterioration, listen to me, that came together in one opportune devilish moment. And that's exactly how these things happen. Listen, this spirit of depravity, it's the same spirit that caused Lot's wife to look back at Sodom and Gomorrah when it had been judged with concern and affection for her former corrupt life. You remember the angel said, you get out of here. You get out of here. We're going to rescue you and deliver you. But don't look back. And so what happened? Lot's wife looks back. She turns into a pillar of salt. What's Jesus' warning in the New Testament? He just says three simple words. Remember Lot's wife. Remember what happened. She was delivered from this old lifestyle, and yet she had to look back with affection and fondness for what that corrupt life used to be like. That's the spirit of depravity at work in somebody. It's that same spirit that affected Lot's daughters to get him drunk and have sex with him so that they could have children. Could you imagine that? What is it that's going on in the mind of, uh, minds of Lot's daughters where they're thinking, hey, here's a great idea. Let's get, get dad drunk and have sex with him so we can have kids. 
Friends, the entire family was slowly seduced into depraved behavior by dwelling in the midst of a depraved spirit. I don't know how it gets more sobering than that. I've learned a long time ago, never say never. Never say never. Never read something that's horrible and say, oh, well, I would never do that. You remember Peter never said never. Oh, Lord, I'll never deny you. Dude, within a few hours, he's denied Jesus three times in a cussing rage. These examples are given to us, as the Holy Spirit wrote in 2 Peter, as an example, as a warning for us to pay attention to when we feel these depraved spirits at work trying to seduce us into a slow departure from God's truth into the devil's lies. Now, I want to close with this story uh, about John the Baptist. This is recorded for us in Mark chapter 6. We'll get there in just a minute. But here's some background. John the Baptist confronts King Herod over illegally marrying his sister-in-law, Herodias. Now, parenthetically, let me just say, John the Baptist had no problem confronting the political leader of his day. John the Baptist didn't understand separation of church and state. He understood what it was to stand in the face of a corrupt leader and speak gospel truth to the situation. So John the Baptist confronts Herod over illegally marrying his sister-in-law. Herodias, she hates John the Baptist, okay? She wants him killed, the scripture says. But Herod feared John the Baptist. In fact, the scripture says that he knew that John was a just and a holy man. Herod even responded to some of the teachings of John the Baptist. It says that he heard him gladly and even did some things. But that wasn't enough. The scripture goes on and says, there came then a devilish opportune day for the kingdom of darkness to ruin Herod's life and to kill John the Baptist. Let's look at this, Mark chapter 6, verses 21 through 28. It says, then an opportune day came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a feast for his nobles, the high officers, and the chief men of Galilee. And when Herodias' daughter herself came in and danced and pleased Herod and those who sat with him, the king said to the girl, now get ready, here's his cave-in. Here's his moment where the spirit of depravity operating through probably a beautiful young girl who's dancing seductively. Here's, here's his moment of cave he says to her, ask me whatever you want and I'll give it to you. He also swore to her, like he goes next level, whatever you ask me, I will give you up to half my kingdom. So she went out and said to her mother, what shall I ask? And she said, the head of John the Baptist. And immediately she came in with haste to the king and asked saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king, listen to this, was exceedingly sorry. Yet, because of the oaths and because of those who sat with him, in other words, peer pressure, he did not want to refuse her. Immediately, the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought. And he went and beheaded John the Baptist in prison, brought his head on a platter, and gave it to the girl. And the girl 
gave it to her mother. Do you see that spirit of depravity at work in King Herod? First of all, you know, starting off maybe not that bad, according to some people, marrying his sister-in-law. And, you know, he's kind of hearing some of the word, and he's kind of responding a little bit. But see, he's, he's what I call a chameleon Christian, although King Herod wasn't a Christian. I likened it to people I've seen over the decades where Christians kind of change their color based on the atmosphere that they're in. They know how to play church. They know how to speak Christianese. But then they'll find themselves in the world, and they'll be equally as comfortable there. They'll participate in worldly things. And so they kind of change their color and change their tune based on the atmosphere that they find themselves in. This is what happened to King Herod. And because of it, listen, because of that compromise, because of that spirit of depravity, he finds himself in a moment where he can do nothing else but cave in to a devilish plan for his life. He abandons anything that he ever heard from John. He abandons it all and caves in in a lust-filled moment to do that which would ruin him and kill John the Baptist. Beloved, listen to me. We have to beware of a spirit of depravity that slowly seduces you and oppresses and torments you day to day. It's looking for that opportune day to orchestrate circumstances to get you to cave into sin and to wickedness. Lot caved, Lot's wife caved, Lot's daughters caved, and Herod caved. Don't you dare cave into a spirit of depravity. We are living in a land, and some people are even going to churches that are seduced by a spirit of depravity. Don't you dare cave in. Remove yourself from any situation. Set up safeguards against situations that would ever cause you to risk your walk, your faithfulness with God, your integrity. Remove yourself from anything that would cause you to cave in on those opportune days where the devil has set you up. As it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be when Jesus returns. Don't give in to the spirit of depravity, beloved. Don't do it. God bless you. I pray for your strength. Pray for my strength. Let's walk in a way that honors God, that reflects him properly, and that awaits for the return of Jesus with faithfulness and integrity in our hearts. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you next time when we look at another one of the seven spirits of Sodom. God bless you. We'll see you soon.